0: let's pray and let's ask the Lord to speak to us today. How many of you believe God brought you here not just to sit, soak, and sour, but to speak to you and change your life? Amen. In fact, look at your neighbor one more time and say, get ready, get ready, get ready, because God's going to do something in your life. Father, we thank you today for the Word of God. May it bring forth much fruit in our life. And Lord God, let us embrace all the dealings of God in our life. Because Lord, however you deal with us, it's ultimately for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about a fun topic. It's an exciting topic. I know you're going to be all excited when you hear it. I'm going to talk to you today, and and when you hear this topic, I know you're just going to want to shout and give God all the glory. We're going to talk about the testings of God. Jim said, whoopee. And you can turn to Daniel, uh, pardon me, Deuteronomy chapter 8 and hold your place there. The testings of God. Now, last week... We talked about counterfeit Christianity as opposed to genuine Christianity. How many of you know that for nearly everything, there's a counterfeit? And when it comes to Christianity, that's no different. There's, there's things that are, that are counterfeit. And last week, we talked about uh, the reality in Matthew chapter 7. He talked about the false prophets. That's counterfeit Christianity. Uh, and then he talked a little, brought a little more home when he talked about those who, who uh, they say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done this in your name and done many mighty miracles in your name? And they'll say, uh, Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. And, and here's what we come to realize. There's a lot of people who, who have been sold, if you will, a counterfeit Christianity. And, and so uh, we, we want to be the real deal. Look at your neighbor one more time and just say, we've got to be the real deal. And if you're old as I am, you, you, you know what this means. You want to be the real McCoy. Amen. Uh, and so last week, I gave you three things that genuine Christianity always uh, is. Number one, it's always tangible, Your Christianity, if it's genuine, will be tangible not only to you but to others around you. They will see Jesus in you. It will be tangible. They won't have to say, come out, come out wherever you are. Your light will shine. Somebody say amen. Real genuine Christianity is always tangible. People will see it. Number two, genuine Christianity is always transformational, meaning that when you're born again, when you become a genuine Christian, things will begin to change in your life. In fact, my Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians 5 that old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And we learned that that we're in the process, and we're going to talk about that more today, the process of being transformed back into the image of God in our life. It will always be transformed. Transformational, and then number three, we learned that genuine Christianity is always transferable. The very nature of Christianity causes it to 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 multiply and transfer to others who have yet to hear the name of Christ. There's no such thing as a closet Christian, Amen, and and, and or a silent witness. And so, those are three. Uh, Very important elements of genuine Christianity. But now this morning, one more thought that we're going to look at really for the next two Sundays is that genuine Christianity is always testable. It will always go through a test. Everyone say there's always a test. With that in mind, in fact, throughout history, God has always tested his people and we're going to be looking at some of the tests of God, the testings of God in our life. But to kind of get us going, Deuteronomy 8, verse 1 and 2. Look right right here in the beginning, you know, God starts dealing with his people. And he says, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply. Now, this is not quite in the context. Look how how blessed we are when we obey. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. You see, the promises of God are hingent upon our capacity to obey the commands of God. Everyone wants the promises. But no one wants the commandments. He said, I swore this to your fathers, and, and catch this, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to do two things to humble you and to what? Test you. 40 years of humbling and testing. How many of you appreciate the fact that, uh, that uh, the tests seem to never end? They go on and on. And he said, to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, that's important, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So throughout life, God has always, throughout history, God has always tested us and tested his people. And we'll talk about why he does that uh, in just a moment. But, you know, I I just got to thinking and, and, and all the different ways God tests us. And I I realize God has some special tools, some methodologies and ways and means in his toolbox, if you will, to test us. And so I just, uh, primarily for your information, maybe for your humor, a little bit, I don't know, but uh, God has some tools to test his people. I want to, he's got the tools of his trade. And so let's walk through them quickly. Uh, Many times God uses others to test us. How many of you have ever been tested by others? Has your family ever tested you? Have your friends ever tested you? Have your foes ever tested you? How many of you know many times God uses our friends, our foes, and our family to test us? To determine, as if we wanted to go back into Deuteronomy 8, to see what is in our heart. How many of you know out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? And so many times, uh, and, and catch this. You remember testing in school? You remember that? We'll talk about that more in a moment, but there were some rules about test. One of the ones I remember, of course, is no what? You can't cheat. But here's what I remember. No talking. No talking in the test. Most people in the middle of the test of God, they talk too much. <laughs> and the test just keeps going and going. Because you can't talk in the middle of the test. You've got to listen and learn. And God's wanting to look at what's in our heart. He uses others to test us. And many times God uses obstacles to test us. Think about the children of Israel in the Red Sea. Did you know that, that God was not surprised that that Red Sea was there? Did you know he led them that way? God led them into the test. In fact, what did God do with, what did the Father do with Jesus? He led him by the Spirit into the wilderness. And many times God uses obstacles in our life. Now, the Bible says that if we speak to the mountain and we have enough faith, if the mountain, if we speak to the mountain, it'll move. How many of you ever heard those passages? And they are true. Everyone say they are true. Many times those obstacles, those mountains are a test. And sometimes we look and we think, well, the devil's doing this to me. And we rebuke the devil and it doesn't go away. Well, it's probably not the devil. It's probably, well, the devil may be involved, but it may be a test. He uses others. He uses obstacles. He uses opposition to test us. Forces that oppose us, our enemies to test us. In fact, I mentioned Jesus going into the wilderness. Uh, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted and tested by the devil. Does that shock you or surprise you? And sometimes we rebuke the devil and it doesn't go away. Then you can probably say, this is probably a test. Sometimes he uses oppression to test us, where we are oppressed. Ask Job if he suffered any kind of oppression in his life. Job went through some tests. In fact, it's interesting about Job. Did you know, and I actually had this turned around in my head because when I previewed it, uh, when I went back to Job chapter 1, I had this in my mind that the devil came to God and said, let me test Job. But did you know it wasn't that way? God volunteered Job. God spoke up in this convo with the devil. He said, have you considered my servant Job? Gee, thanks God. Did you know God's not opposed to volunteering you for a test? He tests us. He uses others. He uses obstacles. He uses opposition, and he uses oppression. And then number five, God uses the ordinances of life, the governance of life, the govern the laws of life, the word of God. And just like it says in Deuteronomy eight one and two, uh, He tests us uh, in the wilderness. He tested the children of Israel to know what was in their heart to see whether he, they would keep His commandments. A lot of the commandments of God. Uh, did you know God can do it however He wants? He doesn't really need us, but He has set a system of governance in our life to keep us humble and to keep us submitted to the ordinances of God in our life. And sometimes the laws are there just to test our hearts. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, so there are probably 101 other ways, but uh, if you can think another one that begins with the letter O, you let me know, and we'll, we'll add that one in there. Uh, but uh he uses a lot of different ways to test us. And what we need to open our eyes to is the reality that God is in the business of testing his kids uh and 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 doing that for a very specific purpose. Now, the purpose of the testings of God. Now, this is by no means uh um a a, a litmus test of Of anything here, but just my perspective, uh, my simplistic perspective, because I I don't have a lot of education, but I remember the public school tests. I remember that. And primarily in my day, the tests were all about uh, to to determine in the public schools in my day, the tests were determined uh, to determine my level of information. You remember those tests? You gotta quote this. You gotta remember. You remember your times tables? They don't even probably do that anymore. I don't know. But you had to memorize the times tables. I remember nine times nine is, man, I remember that because it's in the bottom left, bottom right corner. I remember that one. You get in the middle, I'd get all confused. But it was about information. They wanted to know if you knew the necessary information. It was fill in the blank. Do you know the information? It was, you know, two plus two equals, you got to know the information. You got to memorize all this information. And information is good. And we need to be tested on information. But let me tell you something. When God tests you, it's not whether or not you have all the information. Now, he wants you to have the information information. He said, study to show yourself approved unto God. There is a test for information, but how many of you know there's a lot of people with a lot of information? They have no inspiration from God. It's not just information. (coughs) Pardon me. And when God tests us, it's primarily for the purpose of determining our level of transformation. He wants to know. Even though he already does And he really wants us to know If the process of transformation Is still going on in our life Because listen As we learned last week When a genuine Christianity There's always transformation going on And because of that And it is a process How many of you know You are not just like Jesus just yet If you don't believe that Ask the person next to you Because they know. We have not quite come into the image of Christ. It's a process. In fact, if you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we looked at it last week where, where the word says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the image from glory to glory. It's not we have been transformed, we are being transformed. It is a process. And throughout the process, you know, we've got a lot of our, did you know there's people here that are more educated than me? There's a lot of people here more educated than me. And I'm telling you, it is a what? process. Are y'all here this morning? You staying with me. Where's Kobe at? How many of you know, Kobe, did he get to be whatever you are that I can't pronounce in a, a nurse? I can't say it very well. It was a process. We have two graduates of college here. Uh, in fact, uh, they, they just graduated, their careers are beginning. Uh, but it was a, was, was it not a process? Were there any tests? There were numerous tests. And you know your biggest test is your first day on the job. Where it's all this information. Uh, and it'll be a test. Uh, but God tests us. We're in this process of becoming more like God. Uh, in fact, we'll never finish the process. According to Philippians 1, Paul said in verse 6, I believe, he said, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. How many of you know it'll keep going until we see him? The Bible teaches when we'll see him, the process will be complete and we'll be transformed. We'll be like him because we'll see him. Everybody go, hallelujah. The process will be over. Amen. But in the meantime, there's always tests. He's not just testing to see if you have all the information, even though that's true. He wants the information, but he wants to know if you're still in the process of being transformed. In fact, if you go back to Deuteronomy 8, look what God said to to humble you and test you to see what is in your heart. To see if your heart has become hard or cold or or disobedient or uncaring or callous or, or misinformed or whatever. And to see if the process of transformation is still going on in your life. You see, when I was young in my Christian walk, I thought walking the aisle and giving my life to Christ was the finish line. It was the beginning of the race. And there's a lot of people who have been fed that thought that if I just walk the aisle and confess Christ as, as my savior, that's the finish line. No, you just got in the starting blocks. And the process of becoming more like Christ just begins when we give our life to Christ. And so, hey, uh, there's purpose for it. And it's, it, it's probably multifaceted, but for the context of this simple message today, God's looking to see if our heart is still being transformed into His image. Because if the process ever stops, what happens to the clay if the water and the hands become uninvolved? It hardens. And as long as we are on planet Earth, until we see Him, We need to be as that clay in the potter's hands and not becoming hard and callous. We always are in the process of becoming shaped into the image of Christ. So, there is always a test. Look at your neighbor and say, there's always a test. And if you ever say this, if you ever say, whoo, God has taught me something. Hallelujah. I got it, man. He taught me, man. I'm, woo-hoo. There'll always be a test. Amen. So I've got four for you today. And they're not all shouting shout tests. Most tests don't make you happy anyway. But then, I, then I've got four more for next Sunday. Four biblical testings of God that I want to share with you that you can understand and begin to embrace so you can pass these tests. The goal is to pass the test and to have your heart right and heart ready. And you know what I've learned about school? I remember this about school, that when you get in school, uh, there's uh, they'll kind of lay it out for you and they'll say, you know, we're gonna study this. And, this, and on this day, gonna be your what they call the six weeks test. Well, that just scared the wajibis out of me. The six-week test. I knew the test was coming. It was always coming. And then I got excited when I got in high school that, that uh, I, I don't know if it was all through high school, they came up with this cool idea for the smarty britches of the bunch. I think the teachers did just to help the lo- workload get lighter. They said, if you have a certain grade uh, point average, you can be exempt from the test. I don't think I got exempt from one test. All the smarty britches, and I remember they'd get, they wouldn't even come to school on finals day. Drive around town, have fun. And I'm up there going, there's always a test. And so let me give these four tests to you, and then we'll talk about some more next week. Number one the test of obedience. It's a test that God gives us. I find it in Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16 is when God began to speak to the children of Israel about how he's going to take care of them in the wilderness. And he starts talking to them about bread from heaven. Now, uh, he, starts, he starts talking to them about the fact that there's food. And we call it what? Manna. It's manna. You know what ma- the word manna means? what is it? This manna would fall from heaven and the children of Israel saw it. And their big question was, what is it? Have you ever had what is it for 40 years? Man, just one evening is kind of tough on me. One evening of what is it? (laughs) What is that? They had it for 40 years. But this, the 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 insight is God gave them as a this as a provision for them, uh, and he gave them specific instructions. In fact, uh I think it was you could collect one, it, it was every morning and you'd go out and collect, I think it's one omer, which is a a, a measurement. Uh on one omer per family, I think, if I'm wrong. The the point is you had very specific instructions on how much you could get. You weren't to get too much. You couldn't store up your manna because it would rot in the pot. In fact, it was so cool on Saturday, you could go pick up two omers per person. It wouldn't rot in the pot because the next day was the day of rest. And so God, it's a supernatural provision, uh, but he gave them very specific guidelines on how to deal with the manna. And, the, and here's what he said about it, to, to test you to see if you're going to be obedient to the directive of God. It's amazing to me. How many of God's kids look at the commandments and the directives of God like the buffet? Or like the salad bar? Oh, here they all are. All you can eat. Well, I don't want any of that tithing stuff. i am I'm, I'm take that. I'll take that commandment to praise Him. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. But I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Let me tell you something. All of the directives of God are a test. They're a test of obedience. And they are for our good, just like Deuteronomy chapter 8. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply. You see, when you disobey the natural laws, the governmental laws, uh, and, and God's laws, you are at risk, my friend. But they're all a test. God's commandments... He tests us to see what's in our heart, to see if we're going to obey Him. And we tend to think we can do this one, but not that one. And we can just, you know, rock, paper, scissors, and God understands, hallelujah. We need to ask ourselves if our hearts are, are to the place where we're willing to say yes to every command of God in our life, in fact, Deuteronomy 28. Man, I'm telling you, if you, I wish I had time. Let me just slip over there, uh, Deuteronomy 28. Let me just read the beginning of this, and I would encourage you to read the whole chapter. It's talk about the commandment. He said, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Uh-oh. Now, here we go. Some of you think, oh, you remember what I said a few moments ago? If you come to the Lord, you got to obey a bunch of rules. you got to give up a bunch of stuff you want want to do because god doesn't want you to do that and you can't do that because god doesn't want you to do that and he's giving you a bunch of rules and regulations just to limit you and keep you all suppressed down and all submitted and surrendered and life becomes no fun if you obey all the commandments of the lord have you ever heard that have you ever believed that well, God says, hey, if you'll just obey Him, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. In other words, it's not about giving up something. It's about what you gain when you submit your life to Christ. When you obey the command of God, it's not what you give up. It's what you gain. He said that all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall you be your basket and your kneading bowl. I've never met them. I don't know what a kneading bowl is. Uh, Do y'all have kneading bowls, ladies? You have one? I don't know. Maybe that's outdated. Uh, Blessed shall be your bread maker. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessings on you and in your storehouses and all which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving to you. Somebody say amen. Why wouldn't we want to obey the voice of the Lord? And pass every test. It's for our benefit and for our good. It's the test of obedience. I think somebody here today, probably all of us on some level, are in the middle of a test of obedience. Am I going to tithe and obey his word, or am I going to rob him? Am I going to be faithful to my wife and my family? Or am I going to disobey the command of God? In fact, if we had time and you wanted to really get depressed, we could read all the things that come upon you when you're disobedient. They call them curses, by the way. (laughs) You're cursed with a curse. So it's the test of obedience. Number two, the second test, uh, we better move on or y'all will just get really depressed and leave me. It's the test of love. Now, this is important. Because how many of you know God loves us? In fact, the Bible teaches that he loved us even when we don't love him. And when we didn't love him. When we were rude, crude, and sociably unfittable. And snubbed our nose at him. Laughed him and scorned him. He still loved us. Somebody say amen. But when we become his children, he still tests us what's in our hearts towards Him. And it says this in Deuteronomy 13, verse 1 through 3. It says, the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. He wants to know, even though He knows, He wants us to know the level of our love towards Him. It's the love test. In fact, the context in Deuteronomy thirteen, he says, if anybody comes along you along uh, uh, in your life, and I'm going to use my trans—this uh, is my paraphrase—and tries to twitterpate you to go towards other gods, have you ever been twitterpated? Man, I go in Bass Pro Shops, I get twitterpated all the time. You ever been to Cabela's in Dallas? You just you. I want it all. I'll take two of everything. If there's anything that tries to draw your heart away from God's heart, God says that happens. He told the children of Israel Deuteronomy 13 to test you to see if you love Him with all your heart. If you love Him more than stuff. And and the question is, do you love me more than these? Think about Peter and his restoration process. You remember Peter? Peter? Peter's my hero. Peter is just an old—I i would in our context, old country boy. Might have grew up in Vider, I don't know. No offense, Brent. You've been delivered. I'm sorry, Vidorians. It's just your fault. You live there. I don't know. I, I'm sorry. Oh, man. Is anybody going to come back next week, Jesus? I don't know. I got so distracted, I don't know where I'm at. Paul Peter, thank you. He was a good old boy. But he got led astray, and he he was arrogant and prideful, and he was not humble. And God said, you, you know, you're going to be tested. And he was tested, and he denied the Lord. But now in John 21, now Jesus walks back into his life. Aren't you appreciative God's a God of second, third, fourth, fifth chances? And Peter had a heart that was, had some issues, but it was something that Jesus thought he could do something with. And he walked back into his life. And Peter is, is certainly humbled at this point. The resurrected Christ walks back into his life. And he does not ask him, Peter, can you preach for me? Didn't ask him that. Peter, can you lead the new church for me? Didn't ask him that. Peter, can you obey all the rules? Didn't ask him that. Peter, can you keep from this denying issue? Now, that denying issue, we're going to have to deal with that. I might have to send you to Laurie and get some counseling. Didn't say any of that. He asked him three times. Do you love me? Could I tell you today something you already know? If you love someone, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It will always stand the test. Do you hear me today? And God's looking down on us. He just, he, why do you think he tests us to see where our heart is towards our love for him? It's because he loves us. He doesn't want to lose us to being twitterpated by the things of this world. In fact, John said this in 1 John chapter two. He said, "Don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father's not in him. You can't love the world and love God. It's either all or or. How many of you know? You, I, what what if I did this to my wife, baby? I love you, but you know, there's about three other women I kind of love too. It's okay. I mean, we just say hey, spread the love." doesn't work, does it? It <laughs> doesn't work. God said, you shall have no other gods before me. It doesn't mean I'm first. It means I'm the only one. I mean, if I told my wife, I said, well, baby, you're number one. There's just two, or There's they're third, fourth, fifth. Your first priority doesn't work. God said, there is no one other, no other gods. You can't have any other gods in your life. And if any other gods come in your life and they're trying to twitterpate you away from your heart of love towards me, you need to understand something. That's just a test. I can't go that way. I can't fail that test. Are you with me? Say amen. All right. Hey, I got 10 minutes to do two more. A test of love. Then number three, it's the test of faith. And this is probably one of the crown jewels of God's litany of tests. It's the test of faith. And of course, we think of Abraham and, and God speaking to him, taking his seed, his first bought, begotten, his only son, Isaac. and. Offering him on the altar of sacrifice. Remember that. Did you see the Bible, the video? You know it. You've read the. You, hopefully, you've read it in the Scripture. Well, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse seventeen, it says this: By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac on the altar of sacrifice. Did you know Abraham knew this was a test? How could Abraham know this is a test? Well, if you if we had time, we'd go to Hebrews and read it, and you can read the context in the Old Testament because he knew that Isaac was the promise of God. He knew it. Everyone say he knew it. Now, here's where a lot of us fail the test. It's because we there's some things we don't know. In fact, it says in Hebrews that that when God said offering up as a sacrifice, he he willingly obeyed that because he knew that he was the promise and that through the seed of Isaac, all the nations of the world would be blessed and his seed would be as the sands of the sea and the stars of the heaven. He knew that because God had spoken that to him. It was his promise and he knew God never went back on his promise. And here's what Hebrews 11 says. It says concluding. Everyone say concluding. How many of you know when the preacher says, now these are my concluding remarks, that's not really true most of the time. But when you come to some conclusions about things, you have made up your mind. You have something settled on the inside. The reason a lot of us continue, continually fail the test of faith is because we don't come to some conclusions about God and His promises and His character and that He's not out here to hurt me. He's not out here to harm me. He wants to bless me more than ever before. He wants those blessings to overtake me and He wants to show His love for me. But He's put me in a place where I've got to go through some, saying, some things so He can test me to see if I'm the real deal. And Abraham concluded, because he knew God and he knew the, knew the promise of God, he came to some conclusions. Well, Isaac is the promise. Through his seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. It's going to happen. It's the promise of God. So if he's asking me to offer him up and, and to kill him on this altar, my conclusion is he's going to raise him from the dead. He came from a dead womb and he can be raised from the dead again. You read it. It's there. Somebody help me, Jesus. Man, this is getting old and preaching. Where are you at? James came to some kind of conclusion because he said in James 1, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing all, Conclusions, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance or patience. And just let patience or endurance have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, God always has our best interests at heart. When he's testing us, he's trying to see if he can trust us with more of his blessing. fact what does the bible say if you're unfaithful with the little things how's God going to give you much if you don't pass the test Ooh, I'm stepping off into somebody something right here. I'm getting up all in, as Mestia said, your Kool-Aid right here. If he can't trust you with a dollar bill, how can he trust you with the eternal things of God? If you can't pass the test of balancing your checkbook and paying your bills on time and saving a little here and getting this fixed and that fixed so you can be more of a giver in life, if he can't trust you with 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 the little things of life, how can he trust you? you got to pass these tests. Amen. produces the benefit of God in your life. It's the test of faith. And finally, and I won't spend much time here, the fourth test that I see in Scripture that God tests us with from time to time is the test of suffering. Suffering. We have a concept sometimes of God that once we give our life to Him him, that all the heartaches of life are now over that does not happen until heaven we live in a world on its very base assessment is salt and peppered with heartache and suffering. And let me just say here in good old U.S. of A. Though there's issues, we all have issues, we got it pretty good. But I've discovered something that even people who have Rolex watches Louis Vuitton purses. They may not be able to sleep at night. They have suffering and heartache in their life. And for the Christian, I thought God loves me. If God loves me, why has he allowed this suffering in my life? I know people that have been stuck there for years. You know what Job said? When it all got stripped from him in a millisecond, he said, Naked I came into this world, and naked shall I return. The Lord has given, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord! How could he say that? He knew God. I'm going to step out on. I might get up on your Kool-Aid one more little time, then we'll be done. I got a sneaking hunch that behind closed doors, some of you are still angry with the Lord that's something you've gone through in some circumstance some situation you're in or past present or something you're looking at in the future you're going if you love me why are you letting me go it's a test how are you going to respond the test because understand something about tests every time you pass one you know where the transformation process goes hey read 2 Corinthians 3 from glory to glory he said, we're being transformed, remember? We're being transformed even into his image from glory to glory. Everyone say glory to glory. Do a little word study. You know what, what you'll find about that glory to glory? It's, it, it's probably not this. Oh, woo-hoo. man, become more charismatic. Woohoo, man, I'm just more far out. No, it's level to level. And if you don't pass this test, do you know how the children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years? Oh, 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 oh. I said this earlier. Oh, 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 we're so stupid. We won't obey God. We do it our way. We worship false gods. Eating? What is it? Mad at God because we're stupid? Round <laughs> outside. I had you in the palm of my hand. Hey. It was about a three-week journey. Forty years. Can you imagine when they finally arrived? Where are we now? We've been walking for 40 years. Round and round until they passed the test. And did you know some of them didn't pass? And the God said to them, We're going to let you die out before the new can come in. Because you're just so hard hearted. But all along, it was a test to get you to another level of living in the promised land. The old folks didn't pass the test, they died in the wilderness. They miss God's best. There's always a test. Let's stand together. Lord, we thank you for the testings of God in our life the tests of obedience, the tests of love, the tests of faith, the tests of suffering. Lord, we want to pass these tests. We don't want to flunk the test. We don't want to be stuck in the wilderness of our moment over and over again, missing your best for our life because we can't pass the test. So we bow our heads before God. Listen carefully to me. I don't know what's going on in your life, I don't know how God may be dealing with you. Listen carefully. We're about done. It's a little afternoon. Give me just a little grace here. Hey, I don't know. If you want God's best, you got to pass the test. With every head bowed and every eye closed, come on, stay with me just a second. I feel like right now in my heart, That for many of us here today, this is one of those aha moments for where you are, where we are in our life. Where all of a sudden the confusion and the, and the doubt and the fear and the, all the, uh, the, the, the consternation of trying to figure out what's going on in your life has just been pushed away. And the clarity of God has come and you realize by way of the Holy Ghost, it's just a test. that's you today be bold lift your hand wherever you are and say it's me all over this room hands are going up my goodness let's follow through with what I sense the leading of the Lord let's follow through one thing I did in high school what we'd do get ready for the test we'd all get together and pick each other's brain we'd fellowship Study together and work together. So let's let's meet in the study hall here in the altar just for a moment. If you lifted your hand and you said, "Man, I realized something." The, the clarity has come to me, and I realize this is a test. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. If you lifted your hand, come on, hurry, hurry, hurry. Let's 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 don't miss this moment. It's just a test, and today we're going to gather together and we're just going to embrace the testings of God in our life. We're going to embrace what he's doing in our life and say, God, I'm just going to receive what you're doing. I'm not going to be mad at you. And if you're mad at God, Hey, you're going to have to tell him about that because Hey, if you resist, God resists those who resist him and he resists the proud. And so today let's, let's humble ourselves and let's embrace the testings of God in our life. I'm going to ask everybody here in this room, do something for me today. Do something for yourself today. Uh, this, is a surrender moment. This is a willingness to surrender moment. Let's lift our hands to God here in this altar. And, and you in the congregation, lift your hands towards these in the altar today, towards them, and just begin to pray because, hey, we whether or not we're in the middle of a test, we're getting ready to go into one. And we've got to stand with these. Father, today I come with my friends and family and brothers and sisters here in this altar today, and as we lift our hands to you today, Lord, we embrace the testings of God in our life. Lord, we know they're for our good and for our benefit Lord Jesus we refuse to be angry with you we refuse to doubt you Lord we know you're just testing our love for you you're just testing where we stand you're testing our obedience factor Lord God In whatever we're going through Lord we thank you Lord Jesus and we count it all joy today that you're in charge of our life and you have what's best in mind for us And we know that all things work together for good to those who love you. We love you, Lord. We embrace the testings of God. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, stay with me just a moment until I get the release of the Holy Spirit here in my heart. Oh, God. Oh, God strengthen us now. Strengthen us now for the journey. Strengthen us now for this journey, Lord, and for this test, Lord. Strengthen the brothers and sisters. Strengthen the family of God, Lord. Let us embrace the testings of God, knowing, Lord, that your goal and desire is to transform us and make move us to another level, Lord, from glory to glory. God, we want to pass this test and move to another level and be more like you. Jesus name for those who are suffering God Father give them a vision of their future Lord in fact Paul said we remember he said these present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall soon be revealed And I come by the Holy Ghost to say, understand something about your test. If you'll pass the test, it's all only temporary. And the quicker you pass your test, be the quicker you move to another level. Listen to me now, I'm I'm talking to somebody. If you want to move out of this ditch in life, pass this test. Whatever it is, the test of suffering, the test of love, the test of obedience, the test of faith, whatever it is, just pass the test and just move on through it. God will lift you up. He'll pick you up. You come out of a hole in a hurry. It's time to pass the test in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.